Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, as we're about to finish the Sermon on the Mount, we probably have one more weekend, or one more Sunday, I should say, and we'll close it up, but this morning we're going to look at verses 21 through 23, and the message this morning is Christ's word about, about false disciples. Those who claim to be Christians, but they're not. They don't even know it. They have deceived themselves. And we do pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would make that, again, this teaching aware to those who are sitting here this morning, because it, again, it's of the utmost importance. Our lesson this morning, Jesus gives a final reason why there are so few who make it to heaven. That narrow gate, that narrow road that Jesus said to strive to enter into. And the reason is that so few enter at that narrow gate of salvation is because of self-deception. People deceive themselves. Jesus finishes this Sermon on the Mount by turning from false prophets to false professors. From unsound teachers to unsound hearers. Not only can false prophets deceive us about the way of salvation, but we can deceive ourselves. After Jesus warned us about false prophets, he now warns us about, he warns men about themselves. Because sinful man is partial to himself. Because we're sinful, we like ourselves better than anybody else. We're partial to ourselves. We're number one in our life. And because of pride, we tend to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel. Now, there are two categories of self-deception. They're simply verbal profession and intellectual knowledge. The first one, verbal profession is described in verses 1 through 23. And they involve those who say, but do not do. The second um, uh, method of self-deception, which is, again, intellectual knowledge, is described here in in verses 24 through 27. And it involves those who hear, but do not do. And our lesson this morning is specifically about the problem of false discipleship. And it's a very important subject to each one here this morning. And it's a very big problem in the church. Being deceived by yourself. Jesus' word here is about people who think they are saved. People who think they are Christians. People who think they're going to heaven. But they're not. The people that Jesus is talking about here, they're not people who don't disagree with the important doctrine of salvation. But those who say they have faith, but it's not real. These are not people who intentionally, that is purposely for some, some personal gain, make a profession of faith while they know full well that they're not believers. These are people who think they are saved and on the way to heaven, but they're not. Because they have deceived themselves into thinking that they're saved. Let's begin with what Jesus says in verse 21 here in our scriptures. 
Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So in this teaching against false profession, Jesus talks about those who will be rejected for heaven and of the requirement for heaven. He said, again, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is rejecting an outward profession of faith in what he's saying here. Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. There's no way possible for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven unless Jesus is somebody's Lord. Unless he is your Lord. Now, Jesus didn't criticize calling him Lord because we all have to profess Jesus as Lord if we're to be saved. Paul said in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So calling Jesus Lord, Lord, that's not the problem. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, and that's the key, who does the will of my Father in heaven. The problem of this, of this profession is the lack of sincerity. This profession about Jesus was nothing but words. The man or the woman who is truly saved and who has a genuine assurance of salvation does say and has to say these words, Lord, Lord. But just saying these words alone does not necessarily guarantee or assure somebody that they're saved. You see, you have to have something more than lip service before Jesus will save anyone and make him his disciple. It's empty professors that Jesus is exposing here in this word. A profession of words, just saying the words of even the most conservative religion is useless if it's not backed up by basic godliness, that is, by the behavior and sincere obedience. It is obedience that makes a Christian if they're truly saved. Or I should say is the evidence of being a Christian. It's obedience that marks a man or a woman as his disciples and sets that person apart from those who are ruled by the devil. Obedience to God's will is the test of true faith in Jesus Christ. The test is not words. The test is not doing. The test is not saying, Lord, Lord. And then you turn around and you don't obey what he commands. You don't, obe you don't obey what the Bible says. I mean, it's real easy to learn a religious vocabulary. To learn how to say the right things. Even memorize scriptures, memorize religious songs, and still not obey God's will. When a person is truly born again, and that person has the spirit of the living God within, then you are born again. Paul said in Romans 8 9, but you are, in the, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you do not have the Spirit of God in you, you're not a child of God. The, and the Spirit is what enables you to know and to do the Father's will. It's the Spirit that gives you the wisdom and gives you the power to do the Father's will. 
again, God's love is in his heart. God's love is in your heart. If God is in your heart. God's love in, in, in your heart is what motivates you to obey God and to serve others. I do what I do because I love the Lord. You do what you do because you love the Lord. That's your motivation. That's your drive. Words are not, words cannot be a substitute for obedience. And neither are religious works. Like preaching or casting out demons or doing miracles. They can be divinely inspired. They can be biblical, but they're not the assurance of salvation. It's like, you know, being a parent and you have young kids and, and, and you, you can relate to this. You tell them to go do something and you go to check to see if it's done. And guess what? They've done everything but that one thing. And you go to, you didn't do what I, well, I did this and I did that and I did that. Well, but you didn't do what I asked you to do. We do the same thing with God. Because we think all these other things, God, I'll get credit for that even though I don't do it. Because, see, I don't want to do that. I don't like to do that. But that's the thing God asked me to do. That's the thing I need to do. So, again, words cannot be, nor can, can you know, works that, that you know, are of the God's will. They, they can never be a substitute for the word of God. So, we are to hear God's words and we're to do them, James tells us. We must not stop with only hearing or studying God's word. We must follow through with duty. Our hearing has to result in doing. He who does the will of my Father in heaven, Jesus said. Jesus is simply saying we have to be sincere in our profession of faith if we are to be saved. It means, as Paul said in Ephesians 6, 6, it means doing the will of God from the heart doing the will of God from the heart doing the will of God requires confessing Jesus as Lord and if the confession is sincere it will also include genuine repentance and obedience to Jesus Christ as Lord the word Lord means master and if I call him Lord and I call him master then should I not do with things that he says it doesn't matter how much a person might say he or she believes on the Lord if his or her habit of their life is persistently sinful, they are not a Christian. It is unacceptable to call Jesus Christ Lord and then not do what he says. Jesus made that clear. He said that to his own disciples in Luke six forty six. He said, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? The issue is obedience to the word of God. And there's no way you're ever going to get around that. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then, notice, then you are truly disciples of mine. How do you get around that? You don't. If you abide in my word. Now, the word abide means to stay or to remain so let's look at it like this. If you stay in my word, then you're truly my disciples of mine. Salvation and obedience to the will of God are inseparable. As Hebrews 5, 9 makes that clear. Hebrews writer, the Hebrew, writer of Hebrews says this. He became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. 
to all who obey him. The evidence of salvation is also involved here. When you look at the scriptures and you see wherever a man or a woman was converted, there was evidence in their behavior that revealed true conversion. The evidence of salvation will be seen in the behavior as well as the words of a person who's born again. The behavior will change, the words will change. James tells us in James 3, 10 through 11, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. You know, and he was talking about the tongue and he was addressing Christians. He says, you guys, you guys bless with the same mouth you curse with. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. He says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? How can I be called a Christian and I'm cursing or using foul or, or uh, you know, immoral language at one moment and then I'm calling out God's name in the next? He said, these things should not be so. When you don't see a change in behavior in the sinner, in that person who says they're born again, who says they've come to Christ for salvation, you're looking at a phony, a phony convert. Take it up with Jesus. This is what he's teaching here. Look what he says in verse 22. Notice the word many. Many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? They're defending themselves. And those who are guilty of a false profession will become very defensive of their supposed salvation. When you confront a believer, wherever it is, because their, their walk may not be what it should be, and we looked at that when Jesus taught about judging, and it wasn't judging, it's was fruit inspecting. And, and, and you say, brother or sister, you know, this thing isn't right in your life, and, and you know, you need to be careful, and, and you, and you want to, you know, lead them in the right direction. You want to help them out. First, thing words, first words out of their mouth, you're judging me. In fact, they'll be so defensive that Jesus says here in this example that they will even argue at judgment time with God about their salvation. He says many, he's talking about false, false professors, he says many false professors will say to me in that day, have we not done this and this and this and this and we did it all in your name? Now the word many here tells us that the crowd of false professors is going to be a big crowd. Jesus didn't see a few people here. But many are guilty of it. Being false professors. You know, there are going to be huge surprises in heaven come judgment time. Some of the biggest surprises will be the huge number of those who believe they were Christians that will not make it into heaven. That's why this message is so serious that Jesus is giving here. A.W. Pink said this. 
He said, we seriously doubt whether there has ever been a time in the history of this Christian era when there were such multitudes of deceived souls within the churches who truly believe that all is well with their souls when in fact the wrath of God abides on them. He said this over 50 years ago. Can you imagine what he would say this morning with all of the churches that we have today who have filled their sanctuaries with so many seats of false professions today? Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in his name? Now look at this. The words, have we not? When they come back to Jesus with these words, have we not? They're suggesting, Lord, we have done many wonderful works in your name. It's as if they were saying, surely, because we have done all of these wonderful works, we must be saved. It's a statement of confidence by these people. These false Christians, they're so convinced that that they're saved that they amazingly will actually argue with God at their judgment. Lord, you got to be wrong. (laughs) Can you imagine? Have we not? In other words, we have surely done these things for the right reasons and in your name. They're so sure that they're saved by their works that they have flattered themselves by the things that they've done. They've patted themselves on the back. Oh, look at me. Look what I've done. They're so presumptuous that they're deeply convinced that heaven is just waiting for them. And here, they're represented as complaining to their judge when he closes the door to them. And they're putting in a plea for their claim at judgment. Lord, have we not? And they're arguing with the judge, the righteous judge, as though it was unfair that they should be excluded from entering into the everlasting joy of those who are truly righteous. It's going to be a terrible time for those people. So it's clearly understood that, that here that, that they lived and they died totally assured that they were approved by God. That they, they, they were totally assured that they were totally saved from the wrath to come. These people, these people did not have any lack of self-esteem. They thought so highly of themselves that they felt they had such a solid case that they could actually argue with the righteous judge, who the Bible says Christ will be our judge on that day, they felt that they could actually, you know, uh, argue with Jesus about why that he should allow them into heaven. And what these people said gave, uh, gave proof that they had so totally deceived themselves into thinking that they were safe and secure and on their way to heaven. They felt by, by, by saying, we have prophesied and we've cast out demons and we've done all of these wonderful things in your name. They thought by using those proofs, those proofs had totally deceived them into thinking they were safe and secure and on their way to heaven because they said what they did had gotten them into heaven. They thought that was the ticket to heaven. Their reason for believing they were saved is based on the following things that they said. Number one, have we not prophesied in your name? Lord, our words prove that we are Christians. They prove that we're believers. 
And they're referring to their preaching and prophesying. Lord, have we not prophesied? Now, true prophets predicted the future, but they were also God's messengers who brought messages about the present in terms of conduct. There was also conduct that matched the message. True prophecy basically means to deliver a spiritual message. So prophesying includes that we know what we know is preaching today. As unbelievable as it might seem, it is possible for a man to proclaim God's message and still not be saved. It's also possible for a man to predict the future correctly and still not be saved. We see that in Scripture. Balaam did it. Balaam did some predicting about Israel and he spoke the the message of God. But Balaam was not a member of God's family and he perished with the ungodly. King Saul was definitely not among the redeemed. And yet he prophesied one time in 1 Samuel 10, 10 and 11. Caiaphas, the high priest, when Jesus was on earth, he prophesied, but he didn't believe in Christ. Paul talked about those who preached Christ from envy and strife. And some preached Christ out of contention, he said, supposing to add to my affliction and my bonds. Now, these men that Paul talked about, they didn't preach Christ corruptly. They preached it according to truth. Because Paul said in Philippians 1.18, he rejoiced that Christ was preached. And he wouldn't have rejoiced if the message had been polluted. All of this is saying that a man can preach the gospel correctly and still be unsaved himself. It's really a sad and terrible thing that a man or a woman can, can proclaim God's words and still go to hell when they die. But that's the warning that Jesus gives here in this sermon. It's not the first time he talked about hell. He talked about the two paths, the two trees, the good fruit and the bad fruit. He talked about many times about going to hell in, in the Sermon on the Mount. But that's the warning Jesus is giving here. It's not the message that you preach that saves you, but it's truly trusting in Jesus Christ that saves. The next line of reasoning for their supposed salvation, the evidence that they gave is, Lord, have we not cast out demons? We not only prophesied, we cast out demons, and we've done many wonderful works in your name. Jesus, look, our works prove we're believers. Their works were miraculous, and they were many. Their their miraculous works were casting out demons. These false accusers had cast out demons. Now, some unsaved in Paul's day were also casting out demons. Jesus predicted in Matthew 24, 24, he said, False Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead if possible, even the elect. To mislead even the elect. That's why this this message is so important from Jesus. The unbelieving sons of Siva, they were Jewish exorcists. These people, these men made their living from casting out demons in Acts 19, 13, and 14. Mark 9, 38 through 40 tells us about somebody outside the apostles who were casting out demons. Paul promised 
He promised there would be false signs in the last days and that there would be line wonders of Satan. Acts 8.11 describes the work of a, a satanic sorcerer. And today there are miracle workers and there are healers and there are exorcists who claim to work for Jesus Christ, but they're really just satanic deceivers. Now, another possibility is for these false professors to, to be doing these works of wonders is that some of the claims that they made were false. Their prophecies, their exorcism, and the miracles were fake and made up. But whether the work, the works themselves, were done in God's power or not, the people who did them did not belong to Christ and, did not truly, and didn't truly recognize Christ as Lord, even though they said they knew him. They had no part in his kingdom or its righteousness. And their works, whether they were real or false, divine or satanic, would not do them any good when they stood before the judgment seat of Christ. Here's the bottom line. It doesn't matter how many wonderful works a person has done. That's not what saves a person. It's a living, ongoing, abiding Staying in the faith in Jesus Christ that saves. Now, if you're keeping a list of all the good works that you've done in your life, hoping it all balance out in the end, you did it in the name of Jesus, hoping it will be the ticket to heaven, throw it away. It's of no value. It will not do you any good on the day of judgment. Salvation comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ and not through a long list of wonderful works you did in his name. Another thing that they claimed, these, uns people, these unsaved people claim, they claim that they were saved by the, the, in the justification they used to do these, these things. Lord, not, not only did we do these things, these you know, prophesying and, and, and casting out demons and wonderful works, we did them in your name. How about that, Jesus? We did them in your name. Not only did we do all of these wonderful works, but we did them in your name. Surely, that's, that, that's got to get me into heaven. Three times here in Jesus' word, three times in what Jesus said here, these people who have made false professions said they did their work in your name. Lord, we prophesied in your name. Lord, Lord, we, ca we cast out demons in your name. Lord, Lord, we did many wonderful works in your name. These false professors, these people with a false profession didn't do these things in their own name or in somebody else's name or an angel or a being. They did them all in the name of Jesus, which says all of this was right on. We are to do what we do in the name of Jesus. They weren't progressive modernists. They weren't emergent church. They weren't the happy make you feel good church. They weren't cultists. Their so-called justification was in your name. They added in your name to the words, Lord, Lord. Man, how much do we got to do, you know? Sounds pretty good. So it emphasizes the correctness of their doctrine. They called him Lord. They did it in his name. 
they still didn't have salvation. They still weren't saved. You can say all of the right things and you can do all of the right things religiously and doctrinally and you can still go straight to hell. People don't like hearing about hell. Don't blame them. A lot of preachers don't preach about hell anymore. Makes people uncomfortable. That's what Jesus wanted to, that's what Jesus wanted to do. Adrian Rogers says a preacher that doesn't preach about hell is like a doctor that doesn't talk about cancer. You want to warn people so they can't ever say, I never heard about hell. You can make the most right-on statement of belief. You can sign your name to the best doctrinal statement ever written by man, and you can still go straight to hell. These things are good. The right statement of belief. Having the right doctrinal statement. Go to the most orthodox church, the most fundamental basic teaching church, the most Bible teaching church. These things are good. But they're not good enough and they cannot do what needs to be done for you to be saved. There's nothing wrong in them, in and of themselves, with any of the things that these people said, that they did in his name. There was nothing wrong with any of that. Their claims all had to do with acceptable behavior. It was all good as, as far as it, it, on it face value. In other words, what they said wasn't anything they did wrong. What they did was right. It wasn't evil. Jesus never said what they did was wrong. He never criticized what they said. He didn't criticize what they did. But the things that they said and the things they did did not save them and will not save them. They could say and believe they were saved because of all of the wonderful things they did. But in reality, they never truly received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, Jesus is going to tell us the fate, what the fate is of these false professors. He says to them, I never knew you. In spite of all of their so-called evidence that they were a child of God, called him Lord, Lord, cast out demons, we prophesied, did wonderful miracles in your name, in your name. In spite of all of that, Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I mean, these are terrible and alarming words coming from the mouth of Jesus. And Jesus is going to be the judge of those who, whose false, uh, faith is false. He said, in that day, in verse 22, he says, in that day. That day refers to judgment day, the judgment day. This is the day of final justice. So when those who are guilty of false profession are judged, there's not going to be any chance to correct their problem. They're not going to be able to, 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 to cry and, and to weep and to, Jesus, I didn't know. Jesus, I wish I, you know, I would, I, I, you know, I really, it'll be too late. Don't bother. It will be too late. You won't be able to correct the problem. There won't be any chance to become saved. There won't be any chance to make your profession true. And then, Jesus, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now, when he says, I never knew you, it isn't, it isn't referring to the knowledge of Christ. 
because there's nothing because there's nothing that Jesus doesn't know. He knows all things because he's omniscient. So he couldn't say that he didn't know about the existence of someone or about someone. What he's talking about is a relationship with him. I never knew you in a personal relationship in that way. You and I, we didn't have a relationship. He says, depart from me. Can you imagine? That Lord, that one, yet you did all of those things in his name, says, I never knew you. Depart from me are the awful words you will hear. It's the awful sentence of those who are guilty of a false profession. Those who are not saved will be punished with everlasting destruction, hell, from the presence of the Lord. Those whose profession of faith that is outward and not inward will be cast into the lake of fire, hell. Even though they said the right things and even though they did many wonderful things, the problem is they weren't saved. So they will be sentenced to eternity in hell. I mean, they might have been very respected in in, in church circles. They might have been well-known in church circles and had a wonderful bunch of friends, church uh, friends in in, in church circles, but but they are objects of God's wrath. How terrible to be an object of God's wrath. So much so that he doesn't want you in his presence. Can you imagine? He says, I don't want you in my presence. But the unsaved don't have anything to complain about. Why? Because you see, in in rejecting Jesus as Savior, they have literally said, hey, they don't want God in their presence. And that's what hell is really going to be. An everlasting place where God is not. He said, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, you who did not obey my word. When a person is not saved, God sees him or her in all of their sinfulness. It's lawlessness. It's possible for men and women to have a great name when it comes to godliness and still be workers of iniquity. In closing, there are many religious imposters whose iniquity is very obvious to all the world. But on the other hand, there are also those who outwardly make a good show religiously who are no better because they also do the same thing. So whether your, relig- your religion is, is obviously not there or not seen, it's all the same if, if you're not a, a, a child of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.9, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. He said, test yourselves. You are to check your own fruits. <laughs> To see if they are actually, if you're actually a true Christian. Or are you making a false profession? If ever you are to be sure about anything in your life, be sure you are saved. Don't deceive yourself by your outward performance. Make sure your faith is inward as well. 
Paul said in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, now the works of the flesh are evident. And he gave this long list of works of the flesh. He says, now those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, wrong living keeps you out of the kingdom of God. I want to finish with these words. These are words that were found engraved on a cathedral in Lubeck, Lubeck, Germany that perfectly shows exactly what Jesus is teaching here. Listen closely. Thus speaketh Christ our Lord to us. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk me not. You call me life and live me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. If I condemn thee, blame me not. Father, we come before you and thank you so much for this powerful message from Jesus, Lord. And Father, help us, God. Help us, Lord. As Paul said, to examine ourselves, Lord whether we be in the faith or not, God. Lord, may we never, ever take anything for granted, God. We are not called to intellectualize the scriptures, Lord. We are not called to define them in our own words. We are not called to water them down. We are called to believe, plain and simple. We do not have the luxury of redefining God's word or not taking it seriously as Eve believed when the devil said, oh, the Lord didn't say that. You surely won't die. When God clearly said, If you eat of this tree, you will die. And too many people today, too many Christians today, believe what Satan says. Oh, you won't die. You can't take God seriously. He wouldn't be that harsh. He wouldn't be that serious. God was very harsh, took severe measures when it came to dealing with sin. Just look at the cross. They have nothing to do with Christ is to say I don't want anything to do with the forgiveness of my sins that Jesus paid dearly for. Therefore, God will deal harshly with those. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, a new creature in Christ, the old things have passed away and everything has become new. and he will never enter the kingdom of God. The worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship. This time is for you to examine yourself, as Paul said. Examine yourself. Be real. Make it real with the Lord. 
If you've never been, a, been born again or you're not sure if you're born again and you've been trusting in good deeds and you've been trusting in doing them in His name but you haven't received Christ, it's all for nothing. John in his gospel in chapter 1 verse, uh, 12, verse 1 chapter 1 verse 12 said this all those who receive him notice he must be received all those who receive him he God gives them to become the authority to be sons and daughters of God you only become a son or a daughter in in Christ if you receive him. If you don't receive him, you're just being a religious person. And religions get, religion doesn't get anybody into heaven. Jesus does. As we worship, if you want to receive Christ, you want to make it right, then as we worship, you get up out of your seat, you make your way, to, way down the aisles to the steps up front. I'll meet you there. And when the song's over, we'll pray together a simple prayer of faith.